we talk so much on the For the Love of Sports podcast about the power of connections and skill sets. So we're teaming up with Aquia Sports Group International to deliver two high-level mentorship programs. The 12-month sports business program will help you craft innovative partnerships and improve selling strategies. And for our newcomers to the sports world, we have a three-month sports business new grad program where you will gain skills to become an integral part of your team. Best news, both programs include monthly video meetups, digital worksheets, exclusive industry interviews, and real case studies. Let's come back from the shutdown even stronger. So head over to aqueous.co.com. That's www.aqueous.co for more information and to get on the wait list. Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rozil, and my guest today is Jeremy Bendarhi. He's the author of Trust the Grind. He's a former ESPN sports content researcher. Jeremy was an absolute blast to get to talk to. He was his his life story and everything that he's been through is really interesting and really what he's trying to do moving forward by helping people, by helping kids. I absolutely love it. And I'm all for it. I want to give him as much publicity as possible and hopefully he absolutely crushes it, rules the world and uh becomes really really successful with what he's doing. And I think he's very much on his way. So, without further ado, here is Jeremy Bendari. Hello, welcome to For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rozil, and my guest today is Jeremy Bandari, the author of Trust the Grind, made it all the way up to number one on Amazon and teen and young adult fitness and exercise, the former ESPN sports content researcher. Jeremy, how you doing today, man? Pretty good, Mike. How are you? Um, it's like I said before we were talking, it's a pleasure to be here and I'm excited. Well, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. It's always nice to... Uh, Meet someone trying to do something, change the world a little bit. Obviously, there's some things going down um, outside these four walls here, and we we support everything that is happening, of course. But we're here to talk about you, man. We're here to talk about your book. We're here to talk about sports, hopefully spread a little positivity while we're doing it. That is one of the goals of the show. But Jeremy, the first question I have for everybody on For the Love of Sports is, why do you love sports so much? Yeah, um, my, my adoration for, for sports really started at a young age. Um, you know, I, before I could even remember, I was, you know, four or five years old. And go, before I would head off to preschool, my mom would put out the uh, the Boston Globe in front of me and while I ate breakfast. And um, we I would immediately just open to the sports section, read the stats, read the uh, read the numbers. Where were the socks and the standings? Who was leading the league in this? And uh, it's funny because I'm from Massachusetts. You see the Boston Boston ties. And, um, you know, for um, when I played T-ball, um when it was time to choose like my favorite player for, for my, my card, I chose Alex Rodriguez because he was leading the league mm-hmm. um, in home runs at the time, 2000, 2001, you know, he was killing it on the Rangers, which was funny at the time for like a four or five year old kid to yeah. from Massachusetts. We got guys like Nomar, uh, Manny, you know, Pedro. And I'm, I'm like, no, I want to choose the, the guy who plays in, in Texas mm-hmm. just because he leads the league in homers, you know? So I didn't even know who he was. Don't, didn't know where Texas was on the map, but so it was just kind of like always inherently in me to just like, like numbers and sports. And, um, 
And then my first uh, my first Celtics game, I was like eight or nine, and and they were playing the 76ers. And um, at that time, you know, Allen Iverson was a killer, man. He was a killer. And um, and what I really I just remember, I was so young, but uh, you know, he had like 39, eight, mm-hmm. and seven. Like he just, you know, he he cooked the Celtics, man. And, and and from that point on, I was like, you know, because you know, Iverson, you know, six foot, maybe 160 pounds. Like, and he just torched all these professionals. And, and from that point on, I was like, man, you can do anything. And, and sports are so inspiring just to see that level of greatness, no matter the size. And uh, from, like I said, from that point on, it just, um, it just kind of rollercoastered as um, I grew older into just this, this serious adoration for, um, and appreciation for, for mm-hmm. athletes and what they do. Cause uh, you know, you can't, there's a lot of breaks you can have in life, but you can't, just because someone in your network is with tied with the Yankees, that doesn't mean, you know, you can be the shortstop of the Yankees. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so in order to get in that position that the athletes I spoke with got to um, it's all on them. It was the sacrifices. It was the goals they set. It was the disciplinary like lifestyle, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so interesting how most people, you know, we're, we're going through the, you know, you're wearing your Red Sox hat. Uh, I'm a huge Mets fan. So we, we are kind of on the same, <laughs> yes, but we're on the same side most of the time. I'll be honest with you there. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you know, just with everything going on with baseball and the labor agreements and negotiations and everything going back and forth and seeing, you know, that these, some players are like, well, you know, I don't want to take a, you know, 75% pay cut. Like if you ask anybody else, like, would you be okay with taking a 75% pay cut? Everybody would say no, but all of a sudden it's because they're playing the sport. We're all jealous because we wish we could play the sport, but the time, the energy, the effort, all that they did, the hard work that they put in to get to that point. Mike Trout didn't wake up and turned into one of the best, greatest baseball players potentially of all time. He put in a stupid amount of work to get to where he had to get to and it's it's just so frustrating seeing how a lot of the public always does side with the owners in these situations and i guess that's a little off uh, a little off target there a little little tangent just because it pisses me off so much but you're, you're completely correct like what these athletes have to do and the hard work the sacrifice i think is most important when you think of a baseball season it's 162 games in about 180, 185 days, right? So, right. you know, everyone says that how unathletic baseball players are. They talk about how, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's like, you try and do something for three or four hours a day for 162 games in 185 right. days. So it's just really interesting to me. And I'm really excited to talk to you about some of these athletes that you worked with on the book and everything. But as you were saying, you know, the, the love of sports was there. Boston fandom, I mean, back in the 2000s, it wasn't, really what it turned into obviously 2004 you had and then you've been on all these great runs with the, right. the Celtics winning a couple obviously the Patriots you know now the, the the are you are you gonna be a Brady fan are you a Belichick fan I got I have to ask that one um well you see I don't know if you can see in the background no, I, I can sign, see it I signed Brady yeah. poster um and I got that when he was just like a rookie which is crazy mm-hmm. um no I mean I'm just a fan of uh it, to, to be honest like I'm not a huge uh Patriots guy like I'm I'm uh mm-hmm. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. That's probably the mm-hmm. only uh, Boston team that I really am a really? fan of. But I'm just a fan yeah. of like great athletes, great mm-hmm. competition, yeah. great games. So I love Brady. Um, I love Gronk. I'm still going to root for them. Um, I love Belichick and his dominance. Like I just love greatness in any field. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I agree to a certain extent. I uh, definitely hate Tom Brady, but you know that is what it is. <laughs> I respect the hell out of him, but man, do I hate him. So maybe that's where uh, I'm. A, I'm a little different than you are. Um, but in terms of that, I mean, I guess was 
was working in sports always a goal? And how did you try and go about, you know, especially high school and college, try and go about making sure that that goal was going to come true? You know, it's funny. I knew I wanted, you know, on my high school yearbook, you know, how you can write your goals. Mm-hmm. I, um, I wrote become a star on ESPN or MTV. That was like my goal in, in high school. MTV. So it was like, oh, right. yeah, so I was like, I knew I wanted to, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I liked sports, music, entertainment. That's what I knew. Mm-hmm. All right. I didn't know exactly which route I wanted to take uh, from that point on. But um, like I said, I put, you know, become a star on ESPN or MTV. So I just wanted to be a part of culture, sports, mm-hmm. and music, entertainment. So um, as I grew older, I went to college at UMass. And um, while I was there uh, at my June, my senior year, I, um, I started to uh, look. I, ha- I, had a, I was kind of ahead in credit wise. So um, mm-hmm. I was able to be flexible in my schedule. And I was on I was online one day and I found, um, you know, this link to like internships, uh, internship credit um, that you can do through the university, which meant you mm-hmm. could, um, you know, there was a f- couple programs you could choose from. And it was like a gen ed. Right. But it was like you get to um, go through this internship course and uh, you get credit like a normal class, just like a, like a gen ed or something. So, uh, you know, I opened it up. I looked through and I saw um, there was like this sports blogging website that um it counted just like a class you had to submit three mm-hmm. articles a week and um and from that point on i was like that's interesting you know I'm, i've always liked sports i have a really good understanding of stats and, and numbers and how to quantify you know the the accolades and statistics mm-hmm. with um with a storyline so i um i just ran for it you know i i emailed them hey i'm looking to do this you know got it set up through the university and they were like yep it's good to go uh you know three articles a week, blah, 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 you know, typical curriculum type type stuff. And then um, I started doing it at first. It was, I didn't really know. You had to come up with your own content and be a voice. So, um, you know, I was doing gambling, fantasy football, football, like gambling against Mm -hmm. the spread, stuff like that every week. And just coming up with trends, it was actually called uh, stack your money Sundays. So every week I would, you know, have the gambling picks of the week for the NFL. And then when it was baseball season, I was doing MLB previews for all 30 teams. So just coming up with content um, as Mm. each season went on. And it really became something that I enjoyed. It wasn't like a a class. And, uh, you know, obviously I was getting credit for it and it counted towards, you know, my undergraduate degree, which is great. But then in all honesty, I didn't mind, you know, sitting there doing research, looking up stats, creating storylines and, and whatnot. So it was like, um, it became a passion instead of just a course. So, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I don't know if it's magic or God is good, but it was, um, I saw a researcher job open up, uh, my senior year of high school, uh, college rather while I was doing this internship. So, you know, I just put my name in for this ESPN research job and I got an email back like, Hey, would you like to do an interview? Um, or an initial phone interview. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, 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 of course, of course. And uh, sure, I remember being yeah, on a yeah, Saturday. Please. Yeah, whatever. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. Right. And um, so, um, you know, I'm just 21, 22 years old. Just like, I can't believe I have this opportunity. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, man, I remember just, um, I probably had five or six Word documents up of just like things I wanted to say, things I didn't want to forget. After the initial phone interview I did, I, I had a good conversation with the recruiter. And I remember sending her like a handwritten thank you letter, just anything to stand out. That was my thing. It's like, if I'm going to get an opportunity, I'm going to make sure I go 120%. So 
So, um, you know, like I said, I, I had all these documents up of things I wanted to say. I, I got my points across. I sent them all my material from the internship, all the sports writing. I was like, hey, you know what? Um, like I have all this, you know, 100 plus articles out mm-hmm. uh, that you can you can peruse from and, and, and whatnot. And um, and I have a really good understanding of this. And um, and I was like, I'm willing to learn and, you know, saying all the right things. And I was given another opportunity, another phone call another phone call and another eventually you know the espn process i think it was five phone interviews and two in-person evaluations as wow. well as a, you have to take a sports test to know mm-hmm. and score a certain percentage to know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so you knew what you were talking about knowing how to read a box score knowing how to read uh anything just being able to generate content from uh from from sports so um yeah like i said i just stayed focused every single opportunity i got like i said i did the handwritten this is something i recommend to anyone handwritten thank you card send it to the recruiter find the address because it just gives you a chance to stand out mm-hmm. and uh, that's just that's what i did and i just um i just stayed focused 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 each opportunity i got and uh it was for the sec network which is okay. based out of charlotte north carolina so um i'm gonna be honest i didn't know too growing up in in the north you don't mm-hmm. really you know, down there in the South SEC is life. Right. But, um, but up here, man, it's, it's not, it wasn't that big. So, you know, I knew the Bama, the LSUs in football and Saban and whatnot, but uh, I didn't know like Mississippi state and Ole Miss Mm -hmm. and all these stuff. So I was like really doing my research and I made sure I knew all the coaches names and just so I could pitch content, you know, each, I would try to, you know, they would ask questions like, Oh, so what would you do? What kind of content would you generate for the upcoming season previewing uh, football? And, and, you know, I just, I had it all down. I had mm-hmm. it all written down. Yep. I just was so prepared. And um, one thing led to another, I got really lucky. Like I said, in any job opportunity, I think it boiled, they, it boiled down to like 166 uh, applicants. And, and they, like I said, they kind of chose me out of a hat, which was, um, it was crazy, man. And, um, and like, it was the SEC network, like I said, so that is based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. So, um, as soon as I got the job offer, I got the job after, um, a month after I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. So here I am one month, I'm you know, just writing sports for this blogging website at college. And then the next month, Hey, you, you know, here's a job at ESPN. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I, w- I just couldn't, but I still remember the day getting the call that I got the job and, um, immediately started looking for housing down there. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm doing it. I don't care. I don't care That's that awesome. I've lived my whole life in Massachusetts. I'm doing it. It's ESPN. It's a great opportunity. And, um, it went, it was a great time down there. That is incredible, man. I mean, I think it's so, so first off, I will say you were not lucky. You worked really, really hard and put yourself <laughs> in a great position. Um, and you, you were very well deserving clearly of that job. And I, I just think again, you know, how kind of everything, everything lines up. I mean, you could have easily just done a little bit of research and known that Mississippi state's in Starkville. Right. But instead you right. went and you learned all the coaches and you learned how to pitch the content around them and what they're doing. So again, I think it's, it's fantastic on how you were able to take advantage of that situation. As you said, that process is long. How many people you said it boiled down to 166 applicants. Right. I can only imagine how many people applied for that job. Then we're talking thousands at that point. Right. So it is very impressive um, that you were able and, and you earned that opportunity there. I mean, in, again, growing up, what kid, you know, our age, what boy didn't like watch ESPN and be like, man, I want to work for ESPN one day. Right. So I just think it's exactly. so cool. Was this, you know, obviously it was with the SEC network. And as you said, that wasn't, you know, your bread and butter or anything, but it, it's a foot in the door. Right. So was just working at ESPN was that kind of a, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to use air quotes, a dream job potential, you know, and just that having that opportunity right out of college, just kind yeah. of like, what was that like? That must have been so cool. 
Yeah, like um, I, I have called it a dream job. And um, it was, uh, like I said, it's the SEC network. But mm-hmm. um, to summarize what a researcher does, they work, we work hand in hand with the people in Los Angeles, the people in Bristol, the people mm-hmm. at every, uh, people even in Texas at the Longhorn Network. You know, the SEC is just a, uh, a part, uh, an affiliate yeah. of uh, ESPN. So um, you, if you have content, man, they, anyone will listen. So, mm-hmm. um, if you have content for sports center, if you have content for get up, you know what I mean? It's like you, they will listen and you are, you are friends with the people who are researching on that show. Each re- usually how it goes. Um, there's a one researcher assigned to each show. Mm-hmm. So, um, for my role specifically, uh, I worked a lot on the Paul Feinbaum show, SEC now. Love um, the Paul fast- Feinbaum show. Oh, that's awesome. Man. It's hysterical, awesome. dude. Great job. Whatever you did, I loved it. I can promise yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what a researcher does, 90% of the time we're working on shows, which means, you know, you come in early, you go to the show meetings, you are, you know, coming up with ways to pitch content, um, come, you know, just reading the storylines, headlines, and you're creating the graphics that anytime you see numbers on ESPN, it's from a researcher. It's a researcher mm-hmm. came up with that stat number one, and he actually typed it in and um, sent it off and pitched it and uh, and whatnot. So, um, like I said, the researchers they don't get enough credit, man, for for what they do at ESPN. These some of these people, man, I was I thought I knew sports going into that, mm-hmm. and then I was in some of these chats, some of these meetings, and oh my god, some of these. I mean, you'd be amazed at um at how bright and how, and. And how creative some of these researchers really are. And um, yeah, so so I worked on a lot of just um, shows and, and, and got to pitch content. And like you said, SEC was not my bread and butter. But um, but I found ways to um, to use the SEC in my favor and, and try to create bigger storylines. For example, like I remember um, in the 2019 College World Series, I think it was, it was Michigan versus Vanderbilt was the championship. Mm-hmm. and uh vanderbilt's ours that's sec we've been yep. watching them all year and i remember just doing research and, and d- deep in the excel databases and uh and i found that uh the last time michigan had defeated a top five sec team um in basketball was the fab five and in football it was tom brady's michigan um they defeated alabama in the orange bowl i think mm-hmm. So, um, so I was like, oh, this is a fantastic note. And here's an opportunity for Michigan to do it in baseball. Mm-hmm. So I remember just finding that I'm mean, like, Hey, you know, if Michigan beats Vanderbilt tonight in the college world series, like we, um, we can run a montage mm-hmm. with Tom Brady and the fab five, it'll look great. That's the last time they beat a top five sec team. And, um, I, they were like, oh, I'm all in like, this is great, great idea. I, mean, I sent it into like the Bristol sports center mm-hmm. researchers. And, um, and I was like, if you work for the SEC network, you have SEC ties, right? So you're like passionate about the teams. But this night I was like, Uh no, Vanderbilt, we need Michigan. We need Michigan to win. And, uh, luckily Michigan won game one of the college world series. And, um, I remember the next day I was at the gym and I turned on sports center Mm -hmm. and there it was like the content that I created and pitched. So, um, just getting, you know, coming, creating content that was used on sports center. I Mm -hmm. never could have thought one year out of college that would happen. Right. And uh, so it really was like a dream come true. But like I said, the SEC wasn't my bread and butter, but I made it a way to mm-hmm. make it mainstream. And um, yeah, that was so cool, man. And luckily Vanderbilt won the series. So shout out to Vanderbilt. And um, so you got your cake and you ate it too. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> perfect way to say it. Yeah, so exactly. So like I said, the researcher role is, you know, creating content, working on shows and helping out people who write ESPN.com articles mm-hmm. and just being there for your talent.
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's a, it's, you know, unsung hero kind of stuff, you know, not everybody can be on TV. That's not how it works. There's not enough spots. That's just unfortunate. That's just the way it goes. But, you know, as long as you're part of the, you know, you're, you're part of the machine, you're part of the process and you kind of know you had your hand. And, you know, as you said, that was your idea. And, you know, you found that information and you got it up there. So the millions of people that ended up watching it, you know, maybe they didn't know it was from you, but at least you gave them a smile or said, wow, that is really cool. So right. it's just kind of interesting, you know, as long as you can, you're, you're comfortable, I guess, again, being kind of one of those unsung, unsung heroes. There we go, words. Um, I think it's it's really important and we need way more people like that because too many people like to, you know, they need the credit in some capacity. But as you said, there's so many researchers behind the scenes and in all these shows that, you know, like, let's let's shout out those guys and girls every once in a while. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that. But I mean, it, you know, in this social media world and the Internet is so powerful, mm-hmm. everyone wants um, fame instantaneous. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yep. And I was totally OK with I understood that it was a blessing to, um, you know, it's a month after college. I get mm-hmm. to, you know, type stuff in and I click send and it's immediately going up on ESPN and SEC Network and stuff like that. So I'm cool. You got to pay your pay your dues, man. Like it's like this year. And that's just part of the journey. You got to appreciate even being at the bottom, even though I was, you know, printing out stuff, printing out sheets for the talent and running it to them in between commercials and and doing whatever I can to, uh, to make sure they succeed. Right. And, um, you can't have a problem with starting, you know, um, from square one. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone wants it so quickly. Everyone wants success so quickly, but you know, that's how you learn is when you're, when you're, you know, not exactly where your dreams or aspirations want to be yet, but um, just picking people's brains who are in the positions that you want to be. And that's the biggest thing is that's what I loved about ESPN. I was surrounded by such great individuals who had, you know, so much success in their lives and just mm-hmm. being able to sit and, and listen. You know, I tried to not even talk as much. I just wanted to listen and absorb, you know, the way they went about their business, how they prepared for shows. And cause um, some of them are former athletes, as you know, and um mm-hmm you know, what they did on the court, on the field, the transitions over to how they prepare for the shows. And it just, um, just learning that work ethic, understanding the power of discipline and, and, and self-confidence and stuff like that. So it was just awesome. I, I, I loved every day. That is, that is absolutely fantastic, man. It is so true that you really should, you know, you're surrounded by immense talent. So they got there, they've been doing their thing for a while. So kind of soak up as much as you can. Um, and I, and I really like how you put, um, Oh, shoot. What were you just saying? Oh, I lost it. Oh, my gosh. It's gone. But you had a really great point, and I, I appreciate all of it. So let's start with that. Uh, but no, man, I think you know, it's it's really cool, the opportunity that you were able to to earn, as I said before, and really make sure that you, know, you were taking advantage of it, learning from all the people along the way. And as you said, you got to make people happy every once in a while. And I think it's 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 pretty damn cool. So kudos to you. Okay, now I remember what I was going to say. So, um, you know, a lot of people at ESPN, I had Mark Simon on from the Baseball Tonight crew. He started out okay. as a researcher. Right. right. He started out as a researcher. He just got started contributing to the show as much as he could and in, in you know the ways they asked. And then he went above and beyond and eventually he got on TV and, and then he had an illustrious fifteen year career at ESPN now over at Sports Info Solutions. So I mean it's 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 you know, just because you start at square one doesn't mean you're gonna get to the top. You, there's a, a long way to get there. You gotta do a lot of work and, and you know help a lot of people along the way, but it's definitely it's a path. Um to get there. So as you said, you loved every day. You, you were there for about two years. I guess, what was the reason to eventually leave ESPN to start doing what you're doing now? Yeah. So, I mean, um, God, like I said, I enjoyed every single day and um, getting the chance to work with, with people. Um, I remember, um, 
you know, during the basketball season, Antoine Walker was there. And this is someone that I um I grew mm-hmm. up, you yeah. know, from Boston. Celtic, him yeah. and Paul Pierce were the guys, man. Antoine was that guy, you know. So it's like here's a guy I grew up watching and idolizing and, and watching all his games. And now we were sitting watching the NBA draft together in, in the makeup room mm-hmm. and, and um just dissecting was this a, is this guy a good fit for this team and how is he gonna fit in this role and you know, are they going to let him shoot stuff like that? You know, just stuff that like you talk about with your buddy, but here I am yeah. talking about it with someone that I grew up watching. Celtics legend. A multi a Celtics legend, a multi-time all-star champ with the heat, like total savage. He was a bucket. People forget Antoine was a bucket. So um, shout out to Antoine. That's my guy. But, um, but yeah, man. So, um, so from that, and then I was, uh, I remember one day I was sitting at work and um my, my manager came up to me and was like, would you like to do, um, you know, an on-site game, be the researcher of the live researcher for a college basketball game. And I don't really like to travel that much, man. Mm-hmm. So I was, um, you know, I was like, eh. And they were like, it's for a Tulane basketball game. And I'm like, yeah. all right, Tulane. Like, who, oh, who's who's uh, on Tulane? Like, I don't really New know. New Orleans, at least, right? right go right. there, so hang out a little bit. It stuff. was in New Orleans. I had never been to New Orleans, so I was like, there you eh, go. maybe, you know, but Tulane, you know, how fun is that researching a game? And they were like, well, they're playing Memphis. And I was like, Anthony Penny Hardaway's Memphis team. Let's uh, go. Yeah. Let's, uh, when, when's the plane? I'm there. And um, so, like, I remember going there, meeting Penny, getting a cool picture with him and just getting to chop it up with him because people forget, too, if he didn't get injured, man. Mm-hmm. He was a killer. Like, I'm talking all NBA first team, like, as a 23, 24-year-old. He's in blue chips. He had his own shoe uh, with Nike. Like, he was that guy. He was that guy before he got hurt. So just getting the honor to meet him. And so, like I said, I had, like, this deep appreciation, as you can tell, for, like, Mm-hmm. successful world-class studs and um from there man like i had always wanted to to do something impactful like i love the research job and creating content for espn but uh, i just wanted something to my name something that jeremy mandari did and something that was inspiring and, and came along with a positive motive mm-hmm. so i just you know did some brainstorming when i wasn't at work and i thought you know i, I understand sports really well the passion is there. The appreciation for these men and women is there. What if I wrote something with sports? What if I, okay, now the wheels start turning. I'm Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I, my job is all, um, obsessed with stats and accolades. So I kind of want to shy away from that aspect of Mm -hmm. it, but I still want to keep it true to the sports, um, narrative. So what if, okay, you can't, like I said before, you can't accidentally, you can't know someone in your network can play shortstop for the Yankees. So I was like, well, they have a great understanding of, you know, productive tendencies and habits. So what if we just talked about that with them? I know it's mm-hmm. a little out there, but, you know, I think we could formulate some sort of blueprint here. And so I just started writing stuff down, writing down things I wanted to talk about, goal setting, developing mm-hmm. self-discipline, the power of positive thinking, self-confidence, making sacrifices, things of that nature and productive tendencies and that we all know work if you want to be successful, right? So um, from that point on, man, I, um, like I said, I always had this burning desire to make a difference, to, to um, inspire the youth. It was always something in me. I didn't know mm-hmm. what, how it was going to formulate. And I still don't know, you know, I'm still young. I'm still, I'm still thinking of, of new things. But um, at this point, at that point in time, it was like, you know what? I understand sports really well. I have this love and adoration for it. Here's a, here's something we can do. Let's make a success habit blueprint for the kids um, to learn from, from some of the, from some of the, you know, the best, uh, athletes to ever walk this planet. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, and so from that point on, I, um, like I said, I wrote down things I wanted to talk about motifs or themes, uh, you know, goal setting discipline, like we said, and then I, I started reaching out, man. I just started, Hey, uh, I have this idea. Uh, I want to, um, you know, do you think I could talk to so-and-so for 20, 25, 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it boiled down to 16 athletes, but I, I probably reached out to a hundred, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's just a numbers game. Um, when people see the final product, they're like, oh my God, how was, you know, how did you get that roster of talent? And it's just, man, it's just a, a follow-up game and it's just a numbers game. Like I said, you got to just reach out and not be afraid of if someone says no and just, um, and when someone says yes, do your homework and make sure you're tightened up mm-hmm. and, and get yep. the most out of it. And uh, man, it was just such a, it happened so quickly. Um, the process of it where I remember, you know, my first interview was with Jay Kidd and like, it didn't even, I couldn't even fathom like speaking to Jason Kidd, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm a kid, like I'm as a child, I remember growing up and, um, you know, being from outside of like the Boston sports, if you went to school, you know, it was all about rocking the coolest jerseys, right? Um, at least when I was a child. So, Mm -hmm. so when I was in, you know, third, fourth grade, the coldest jerseys were, um, and rest in peace to the Mamba, but the coldest jerseys were uh, like the Kobe eight, the T-Mac uh, number mm-hmm. one on Orlando. It was yep. so tough. Uh, and of course, like I said, the answer AI, that, that Philly Jersey, and then the J kid, New Jersey Nets. So I was like, I, so for me to like get able, be able to converse with him and um, you know, this is a dude in like Mike, you yep. know, he had the toughest Jersey. Like this is my guy, right? I love this guy growing up and I'm sure you have an appreciation for him coming. Yeah. From, yeah. Being uh, here. Where you're I from. remember those two, uh, those two championship runs. I yeah. watched all of those playoffs and then they just get smoked by the Spurs, but it was still fun. We were going to cross our fingers, but no man, it, it's so true. And I just think it's so cool. Like, how you've been able to connect with some more of these athletes. So you get Jason Kidd. I know Chipper Jones is on that yep. list. You, you already brought up Paige Van Zandt. I mean, even though you've been around some athletes through ESPN, how how much diff, how much more different was it now that, you know, the ESPN badge isn't on or the, you know, it's not right. Jeremy with ESPN. Now it's, hey, I'm Jeremy and I'm trying to write a book. Like how, right. how different is that, you know, not having, I guess, the mothership behind you or in front of you in some capacity? Yeah, man. Um, that's a, that's a great question because, um, here I am. Hi, I'm an inspiring author. Uh, Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. um, but I think the concept of it is what people, what drew people in, right. It's like, it's, Hey, I'm writing a book to inspire the youth. I would like to talk to you about, uh, self-discipline, you know, or goal setting Mm -hmm. or being yourself, you know, stuff like that. So like, yeah, you know, I got time to spare. And, um, most of the athletes are retired athletes. That was the whole objective is, I wanted people already established so the book would grow. Um, as it got older, it would uh, it would um, age well, so to mm-hmm. so to say. Yeah. And um, so I was like, I want to get you know Hall of Fame retired athletes, and um, and that's you know we got lucky and that's what we were able to do. But but um, yeah, man, I remember like I said, J Kid, it was like so nerve wracking because now I'm not I'm I'm out of my element, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a writer. I'm not um, an author of anything. I'm, I'm not researching. I'm not researching sports. Here I am. I'm interviewing. I've never interviewed someone in my life. And now I've created this idea and I've reached out, you know, I took the chance and um, it's happening. Now it's happening. Now I have to show up and, and do the research and, and come up with interview questions for Jay Kidd and, and like T.O. And, and Mike Madonna and all these people. And it's like, I remember, yeah. So I was, like I said, speaking to Jay Kidd, I, I knew I wanted to uh, center it around self-discipline. So mm-hmm. I'm coming up with all these self-discipline questions. We're talking about all the shots he hit. And, um, 
all the shots he practiced rather a thousand shots a day. I'm watching film. I'm dribbling with two balls, you know, basketball stuff. And, um, and as the conversation went on, I was like, you know, I, I kind of in my head, I'm like, I need to shy away from hoops. I need to find something else. And uh, we just broke down discipline. And then all of a sudden he starts talking about how he used to journal during his NBA career. And um, I was like, that's interesting. And, you know, tell me more about that. He's talking about, yeah, you got to write down, uh, you know, it's a long uh, season and it's mm-hmm. tiresome. And he's like, I would write down when things were going well, what was I eating? Who was I surrounding myself with? What kind of training was I doing? Um, you know, aside from writing down your goals, he's writing down everyday stuff, just diary, like just uh, mm-hmm. like it's a diary. And um, he, um, and from that, I was like, that's really interesting. Like writing down stuff, writing down goals, writing down when things were going well, when things were going bad, what, what was it about? Was it the mm-hmm. people you were around? Was it the food you were eating? Were you not napping before, you know, whatever it was. And he's like, so I can always go back and reflect. I can look back at the good days. Oh, game 67, you know, mm-hmm. two years ago, I, you know, I was, you know, we were 70 games into the season, but I was doing this. So I was still on top of my game. So let's just, you know, take that over to this year. Right. So, um, so I was like, man, that's so interesting. Right. So then I, I do some research on the power of writing things down. And, um, when you get the book, you'll see, it's like, we have research saying, if mm-hmm. you write down your goals, you're more likely to yep. um, achieve them because you know, it triggers both hemispheres in your brain and stuff when you physically, um, bring something to life through, through writing it down. So just stuff like that. So we were able to kind of humanize it. Right. So it's like, sometimes when you're growing up, you don't even think these guys are, these men and women are human from mm-hmm. what they're able to do. And it's such art on the court or whatnot. And um, so now here I am talking with a hall of famer, someone who did things that only magic Johnson did on the court. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now we're talking about writing down your goals, writing down um, when things were going well, what were the, f- the food you were eating, the people around stuff like that. And uh, that's something that anyone, I don't care what walk of life um, you enter. If this is something anybody can do, you can any, no matter what you do, you can write down your goals. You can write down your dreams. You can write down the food you, you, uh, when you were playing mm-hmm. at a high level or when you were performing at a high level, when you were, when your grades were high, what were you eating? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Stuff like that. Uh, what kind of content were you absorbing? When, were you watching mindless TV stuff or are you watch, were you reading books, you know, whatever it is in your, in your fashion. But um, so that, so that's, like I said, that was the first interview and I was like, okay, I think I'm on to something. I think I've created something where we don't have to base it around sports. Now we're creating something. I, I knew the tendency thing, the productive tendency stuff, but now I actually have exercises that people can instill into their own yeah, lives. Yep. And so I kind of just took that ideology and, um, and just carried it throughout the rest of the process, man. But, um, but I was nervous at first, you know, talking to these hall of fame players and, um, but um, you know, like I said, I just stay focused. I didn't try to do too much. I didn't try to, um, control too much. It was, mm-hmm. I really just wanted yeah. to listen. I would ask questions and just let them talk so I could just soak everything in, not open my mouth, not cut them off, just learn from the greats. And, um, aside from, you know, creating the project, it was, I still remember the conversations, um, that I had with these men and women and it's, they're so inspiring and it was such a good, unbelievable experience for me. Yeah. I mean, you made a, a great couple points there. One is, you know, before you even learned about the journaling and the writing down, you told me that, you know, you write, you wrote all this down. You're like, Hey, I have this idea, you know, let's kind of get right. it out there and you write it all down. Right. So you kind of learned it before you even learned it. And then as you were right. saying before, you know, at ESPN, you were surrounded by all these greats. So you just tried to shut up and just soak up that information and you did the exact same thing. So that process, what you learned over at ESPN was able to come forward in your interviewing skills and process and understanding, you know, what, let's just let them talk, <laughs> let them talk. They're hall of famers. 
I'm not a Hall of Famer yet, right? But uh, they're 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 Hall of Famers, so let's enjoy what they have to say. And I think that that's really cool, man. And I guess going back to ESPN for a second, when did you realize through this process that you were not going to be able to do both things at once? At what point were you like, all right, I either have to go all in or I have to kind of pause, you know, writing this book? And and you know, considering especially being at ESPN, you probably had more ties. And could have come in contact with more people. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of making an assumption there. But at what point did you realize it was kind of one or the other? Yeah, I think um, it, it's a good question. It's um, it was something where uh, my passion took over mm-hmm. the occupation, yeah. and that when I started to realize that I was thinking about, I wasn't thinking as much about uh, researching and. Um, mm-hmm. As far as future plans went, I was like, you know what? I really enjoy creating content on my own and just having my own name to something and um, and generating different ways to look at sports. I love ESPN and I love I still watch it to this day. And I, you know, I watched every second of the last dance. And um, yeah. And so so like they do such a great job and um, there's a place for that. And but for my talents personally, I'm someone who likes to spread positivity um in in using sports or using Mm. entertainment or whatever it is and i realized that you know there are so many great researchers and i you know if i told the line i could have maybe you know worked my way up to a producing shows and whatnot but for me i wasn't exactly passionate about taking that route i was more passionate i was like you know what i created this idea on my own and um, I think I have something here and uh, once i realized once i got the names once i started writing the once i got the uh the uh, literary contract. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, you know what? I can, um, I believe in myself and I'm going to take this chance. I'm going to really go all in on this project. And um, I'm really happy with the results so far. I love it, man. Congratulations. And I guess how, what is, what is it like writing a book? I mean, I know I'm going through it and it's definitely something, um, but I'm, you know, knock on wood for lack of a better term. I mean, we're in a pandemic, so I kind of just been stuck inside for the last three months anyway. So that's really helped. Right honestly. So, you know, positivity a little bit there, I guess, but like, what was it like, you know, what's the process? What was the process you went through? As you said, you had a literary contract. So was someone helping you? Was there someone kind of guiding you through this process and and understanding the steps along the way? It's not just like, all right, start writing chapter one. There's actually like a little bit more to it than just writing something in what you think is the correct order. So how, how did you go about that? And, and how long did it really take before you really hit your groove? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm, I'm going to start the story. Like I, I moved to North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. The first 21 years of my life were in Massachusetts, grew up in Ashland, Massachusetts, went to UMass. Like, so I've lived in Massachusetts my whole life, get this job opportunity in North Carolina. Don't know anything about North Carolina, no family, no friends. So I moved down there. Right. And all I have, when you move in, it's basically like a foreign territory, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know yep. anyone. And if I'm not at work, I have, I, what am I going to do? I, I'm not going to show up somewhere by myself or whatnot. So that's kind of how like the book started as well. It was like, I don't know. I don't know people here yet. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, what if I just, I, I got to come up with some sort of hobby. I got to uh, either, mm-hmm. you know, start playing a sport down here or pick up, pick up something to do in my free time. Right. So um, it was kind of just something I crawled into really. So I, um, like I said, I wrote down, I had the idea. And then, um, and once I started getting the interviews, mm-hmm. I, um, I just had such this deep respect and appreciation for some of these people, man. And, um, like Jay kid. And I remember sending him, uh, 
I, we did the interview and like maybe two or three days later, I sent him the draft. I was like, yo, the, of the entire chapter. Cause That's I was awesome. I just such this deep appreciation for someone who I grew up idolizing. And now here I am chat. He, he gave me, you know, 30 minutes or whatever it was um, on the phone. So it's just, I was like, you know, I can't let this guy down. You know, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to send it back to him right away. And um, I hit him back and um, you know, he was like, wow, this is really cool. Like uh, I appreciate this. Cause it's, it's one thing, you know, glorify stats. And, and we did yeah. talk about numbers. It's, it's, it's important to know to the mm-hmm. listener, yeah, to the exactly. reader, that uh, there's only two players in NBA history who have 15,000 points, 10,000 assists, 5,000 boards. That's Irvin Magic Johnson, and that's J. Kidd. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, it's important that we know that. And it's important to know, like, there's only two switch hitters ever who I think it's 300 average or 400 homers and um, 400 OBP. Or above, and that's mm-hmm. Mickey Mantle, and that's Chipper Jones. Like, put some mm-hmm. respect yeah. on their name. So, so we do talk about stats, but anyway. So, I had this deep appreciation, and you you asked like, what is um what is the process like? Yeah, because I had this appreciation for these people and for for them giving for them to give me their time. I wanted to get those pieces back right away. At least the drafts of them, right? So then um, I remember hitting them back right away, J. Kid, and he liked it. And um, so from there, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do this. So every each interview I got, um, we would do the interview, and I not even a week would go by, um, and I would always send a draft. I would mm-hmm. always send a draft of it just to show them, hey, I appreciate what you did, and here's what I'm thinking for this uh, for your chapter, right? So um, I just like created these fake deadlines in my head. And I think that helps a lot when you're when you're starting out, um, because at this point I didn't have a publisher yet. Yeah, it was just an idea. Right. So I was I would for me what that works. I do a lot of like self-talk. So I'll create fake deadlines. I'll create. Hey, you got to do this or else you suck. You know, stuff like that, which sounds crazy, but it's just it helps. It works for me. It 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 works works for for me to create these deadlines and these narratives that may may or may not be real. like we saw that with Mike in the last dance. I don't know if you watched last dance, but um, there was the, I, I'm blanking on his name, but the dude on the wizards. Who, yeah. Uh, that rookie that didn't yeah. say anything to him. And he's just and like, he, he said, he said nice good game, game Mike, or whatever. Right? Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, it, I, I, it was funny when I saw that I was like, man, that's exactly what I did with this project. I was like, you know what? You better have this in by, you know, this mm-hmm. day or whatever. Like you better send this to J kid or, or whoever it was by this day or else like they're not gonna take it seriously blah 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 so um so like i said i would create these false narratives and um it just helped for me it helped it helped for me to stay accountable and like i said writing stuff down always helped and um so from that point on because i created these deadlines i had a pretty good manuscript uh, mm-hmm. at least a pitch for it yeah. right it, they were all in draft form but i had a pretty good pitch so um from the, i got a couple of sample chapters and i sent them around to publishers you know three or four sample chapters with the idea, a, um, a blueprint behind what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's, Hey, it's athletes, but we're really talking about productive tendencies to help inspire the youth. And, um, so when people see that and mm-hmm. they see, yeah. they started reading the content, message, yeah. right, right. Positive message right off the bat. And mm-hmm. then they see, you know, the J kid journaling stuff. And then we got the science behind the journaling. And then, um, Chipper Jones, man, it was cool because I had, when I was doing research, I had read like a, uh, you know, an early uh, mid nineties interview where he was probably 23, 24. And they asked him like what his yearly goals were for the upcoming season. And he said, I'm going to hit 340 homer, like just these colossal stats mm-hmm. that, um, that only Hank Aaron um, had achieved in Braves history. So here's like this 24, 20, I don't know, 24, 25 year old kid 
talking, yeah, I'm going to hit 40 homers. I'm going to knock in 100 runs, all this stuff. And then two years later, he accomplishes his mm-hmm. goal, right? He becomes – now it's him and Hank Aaron who have done it in Braves history. So the whole message, it's not about, like, the gaudy stats and, um, you know, admiring the baseball numbers. But part of it is – but the whole message is, hey, yeah. say your goals out loud. You're going to become more accountable when you say them out loud. You it, Having the valor to actually speak it into existence, um, there's something powerful in that. You know what I mean? And uh, we see that a- across a lot of sports and in life in general. If you mm-hmm. if you have the courage to say things out loud, you'd be surprised what you'd be able to, to accomplish. So yeah. it's just like um, once I had like these ideas, it wasn't necessarily about sports. Now it's about saying goals out loud. It's about writing down goals. It's about making sacrifices. It's about eating these foods. It's about exercising this time, you know? So um, it was an easy pitch. So then I, um, you know, I had a couple offers and I ended up choosing Mango Publishing, which is um, one of the fastest growing independent publishers. For the second year in a row, it's ranked uh, the fastest growing independent publisher by Publishers Weekly, which is just a testament to their to the, the entire staff over there from the editors to the graphic designers, to uh, the marketing specialist, everyone, you name it. And um, I, nothing, nothing but positivity from, um, from them. And um, so then, then when you get a publishing deal, now you have real deadlines. Now it's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. now we need the rest of the book by then let's try to get some more um, different sports, which like, I think it's 11 different arenas, 16 athletes, but it's players from 11 different sports. Right. So it's like diversity, uh, let's get men and women and let's just keep going what you keep doing what you're doing but uh here's the deadline and then um as you know you said you're kind of involved in your own process so it's you know coming up with a manuscript working with an editor uh, i wrote the entire book but um you know they cleaned up punctuational stuff mm-hmm. and uh because <laughs> i'm still not i'm still learning but um but yeah um i think um because i had the whole idea in my head and I had it written down and made it a lot easier. I wasn't just uh, starting from square one and just exactly. trying to come up with something. It was already research stuff. It was already stuff that I knew would work. And I just had to, you know, meet the deadlines and go through the process and the marketing and the coming up with ways to sell it and, um, you know, doing interviews and, mm-hmm. uh, just finding ways to get, get it, get the message out, message out there. And that's what we're doing today. That's what we're doing today, man. And don't worry, the link will be in the bio so everyone can go check that out in the description, whatever the hell we call that thing today. And I think one thing that you put out there, you know, you said, you know, it's it's not about it's it's about the people and what they did to get those statistics, right? You know, it's not about just right, like, right, hey, right. this is Jason Kidd. He's one of the best ever. It's, well, this is how he became one of the two best point guards potentially in NBA history, depending on, you know, these this one stat that says, probably one of the two bets you know it's same thing chipper jones it's not about the stats it's how he got to the stats and you can then as people as anyone listening or reading you can then go about reading that and understanding how they went about it take from each of these interviews from each of these incredible athletes that you had the opportunity to learn from and just be able to take those pieces of the puzzle and put that together for yourself use what works for you and now you're able to go and accomplish the goals that you're looking to go, go and accomplish. And again, I like that you're going from the youth aspect because I think that is very important, especially with social media. Now I'm not like a social scientist or anything, but I don't think social media is like really good for kids. Like in many facets, we don't have to dive too deep into that, but I think that's like a whole nother topic. And I think again, just spreading positivity, especially the youth is very, very important. And so, you know, I love the idea for the book. I love how you went about it. I love how you do it. I'm very excited to read it. But what are so far? What are some of the results? What are some of the what's some of the feedback that you've been getting um, from from people that have read, from people that have reached out? You know, the opportunities. Obviously, speaking here, I appreciate you coming on, of course, and spreading that story a little bit more. But what are some of the other things that have come about from it? 
Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing for me, once I would share it with the athletes and they said, oh, great job, or I like it, this is spot on, stuff like that. That meant a lot to me. That meant everything. Oh, so, so, um, um, so once the book actually came out and then, um, you know, some of the athletes went to, to Twitter, to Facebook, Instagram, you name it to, to kind of promote it. That's when I was like, Oh man, this is incredible. And you know, it skyrocketed, like, I, like we said to number one in its category. Mm-hmm. And I was, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, this was just something I wanted to do to, um, you know, have, have my name on something and, uh, be able to speak with people that I really admired growing up. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I just recently, uh, we just added it to the summer readings option list for my hometown, uh, Ashland High School. So Congratulations, just, dude. Appreciate it, man. That's awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so it's like just giving the kids the opportunity to learn from some of the best to ever do it, like we said. And um, so so when I heard that, when I had that meeting, it was just incredible, man. Just the uh, the support from my community and um just just getting some feedback here and there from from friends family um friends of friends and things of that nature who have little kids or little brothers Mm -hmm. who hey we gave it to him and now he's you know asking for us to get different groceries and he have foods with zinc in it and stuff like that and um you know vitamin a vitamin c foods and uh getting asking for a journal and stuff like that, man which um that was the whole message so Mm -hmm. it's like to to get notes like that and just we're just here to spread positivity so um we're just uh, i'm just wanted to ha- have a do my part i just wanted to do my part and i thought my um understanding for sports and appreciation for the athletes this was a perfect way to kind of exemplify that mm-hmm. and um like i said it's, it's great so far i'm just looking to spread the message as far as possible i love it brother and hopefully i can help you do that a little bit and so i guess yes, what sir. are what are some of the future goals i mean i'm sure you got version 2.0 coming up pretty soon or at least that's in the works a little bit like what are some other things that you're working on and how um you know how are you going about you know just trying to spread the message and obviously again coming on here appreciate it but spread the message spread the positivity and really just help as many people as you can yeah i think um you know like you said we're, we're focused on on spreading trust the grind but um i as far as future endeavors go it's uh, i'm working on a fiction project right now which um, not too it, there's sports references a little bit mm-hmm. here and there, but it's it's more about um, spreading positivity and, and teaching people about confidence and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, underlying messages. We have a plot. Obviously, when you write fiction, it's a plot. But yeah, there's always in good fiction. There's, you know, underlying messages mm-hmm. that you can take from and, and instill into your own life. And that's what I'm trying to do there. So I'm working on that, which I would love to um to have as a fictional book, but maybe even a film. And, um, you know, just from doing these interviews and people, mm-hmm. um, I talk to people after and I make the connections and like, man, you should really, uh, take this entertainment route seriously. I know you have a research background and you understand sports, but you have a good vision and you have the passion for doing good. And I think, you know, if you continue with this creative writing and stuff like that. Um, uh, so I, I'm looking to kind of, you know, take the advice of, of what people tell me and really pursue this entertainment, whatever that means. If it mm-hmm. means uh, hosting my own show, like an interview show or just something or, or acting in, in a way to spread positivity, I, you know, I'll do whatever. And so I um, immediately, you know, I'm focused on this fictionalized project to try to spread that, um, spread that out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just trying to do my part and, uh, and um, spread positivity and create good art. 
uh, whether that's in, in literary entertainment, whatever it is, um, just spread, spread positivity, spread positivity, spread good and do good and just do my part while I'm here. And, um, and I'm just hoping, you know, people can, can understand that and appreciate that. That's all we can ask for, man. As long as you're doing good, you're being a good person. You know, that positivity words come up a lot. I am a true believer in it as well. Negative thinking is really not going to get you anywhere. Just kind of bogs mm-hmm. you down. So I, I'm I'm on that train with you, man. I will I'll help you shout it from the rooftops. And hopefully this interview here lets people uh, check that out a little bit. As I said, the book is going to be in the link to the description. So don't worry about that, everyone that's paying attention. So Jeremy, man, this has been absolutely fantastic. Jeremy Bandari, author of the uh, Amazon number one teen young adult fitness and exercise. They trust the grind. Really appreciate your time today, man. Appreciate it, Michael. Like I said, this means a lot. And I've been watching a lot of your stuff and it's just fantastic work that you're doing. And I really want to uh, thank you for, for all the positivity that you're spreading and the knowledge that you're um, you're spreading to to you know whoever wants it. That's what I'm trying to do, man. We're all on that same train. I appreciate it, Jeremy. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of For the Love of Sports with Jeremy Vandari. As I said, absolutely fantastic to chat with. He's got a lot of stuff going on and we appreciate it. And hopefully we can help in any way, shape or form. So make sure to go check out the show notes. That's where you can find his book. That's where you can find his socials, everything he's doing. Support him a little bit. I'm sure we would appreciate it. Make sure to check me out too. Some of my socials are down there. And if you don't mind supporting me a little bit, five-star review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Now, if you have an iPhone and you're not listening on either of those, you still have the app. So if you really, really like what we're doing, hop over there, give it a five-star review, throw it a subscribe, and then just go back to Spotify or wherever the hell you're listening on. We really appreciate it. So thank you so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, and I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.